John chapter 3. Are we forgetting to do anything? John chapter 3. Hallelujah. Haven't you always heard that you can't pray in school and you can't mention Jesus? I've always thought that was a bunch of baloney anyway. I always think you can, I think you could do that, you know, I think it's, you know, it's like an excuse not to pray or something like that, or excuse not, you, you can't, there's, nobody can tell you you can't pray in school. Now, you might not be able to lead some sort of an assembly or something like that, but you, you can't tell me you can't pray in school. I mean, if you can do all, the other, all that other stuff they're doing in school, <laughs> certainly you could pray. I saw on a bumper sticker one time, it said, as long as there's still going to be final exams, there will always be prayer in school. Which didn't apply to me when I took mine, because I tell you, I didn't have a prayer. <laughs> Just, man, when you don't know, you don't know. I don't know if there's any students in here now, but I'm not going to tell you how I passed. We'll just go on to John chapter 3, amen? John, John. Amen. So uh, we started a couple weeks ago on a series that was really just, actually it was supposed to just be one or two weeks, and now here we are on the third week of it, and it's talking about the new birth. Five things that happen instantly in the new birth, two things that probably won't happen, and then this week particularly one thing that you absolutely must do, and this is in the new birth when you become a child of God. Now, you know, uh, a lot of people will say that everybody's a child of God, and you know, and in a way that's kind of got an element of truth to it. Um, but really, uh, Jesus looked at a bunch of Pharisees one time and said, you're of your father, the devil. And so the universal fatherhood of God is available for everybody, but it's just like everything else. It's by grace through faith. In other words, the grace is God's favor and God's ability and what he's done, and faith is our saying yes to it. God's going to protect our right to go to hell if we want to. God's going to protect our right to say yes to Jesus and spend an eternity in heaven if we choose to, and even, and even have days of heaven right here on earth if, if we choose to say yes. But he's not going to owe. God, one thing about God that I've noticed, he'll influence a lot of things around you. He'll nudge you in the right direction. But ultimately, you really do make the choice to believe and trust God or not. That's, that's something that we have as people who are made in his image and in his likeness. The Bible says when we see him, we'll be like him. You know, we're like him. He's our father. We're, we're actually like him. When he, when he comes to earth and becomes a being, you know what he becomes? A person, a man, just like us, Jesus. So when God, becomes, um, when God comes here, he comes as a person. The Spirit of God is the same Spirit of God that was in Jesus, is the same Spirit of God that has been in that triune dance of love throughout eternity with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he's the same spirit of God that's in you right now, in you and on you and around you and influencing you in all these ways. And he is drawing the lost person in to come to this place where they are born again. So it's hard for us to understand because you think of little kids and how innocent they are and a little baby, just beautiful little baby. And you think, well, well, how can that, that's, that's uh, baby is not certainly not a sinner. It hasn't even made a choice yet. But see, all of us were born into sin, not of our own choice. Well, actually, at one point in history, everybody on earth sinned. Every person on earth sinned at one point 
in history, and that's when Adam and Eve sinned because they were the only people here, so everybody sinned. And death through sin came into the world. Jesus said it. You're gonna, you, I mean, God said it, you're going to die. And in dying, they did die. But just like we really didn't personally have anything to do with it, although kind of we did, but that's just a different subject, um, we really don't have anything to do with our righteousness either. I mean, so we are born sinners, but, but we're born again righteous. So I didn't have any choice about being a sinner, but I, but I, I, got, I just got it. And it was through no, really, not really anything that I did, especially when I was little. But here later on, I can be born again from, from above, born into life, born again by saying yes to what Je- Jesus is the one who did. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's a popular thing to begin to bow your head and pray and say, God, I'm so unworthy. But there's, that's, there couldn't be anything farther from the truth. Why would you bow your head and say you're unworthy when he says you're worthy? When he has been made unto you righteousness, wisdom, sanctification, all of these things are ours because we're in him. You know, the, the question is never, have you been good? The question is, are you in him? Because in him we're seated in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. In him we live and move and have our being, in him. Amen? And so Jesus said this, and he said in verse 3, he said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then down in verse 7 he said, Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. You must be born again. And so uh, I, re- I told you guys a couple of weeks ago that um, I had heard somebody say something along the lines of, well, you don't see being born again very often in the Bible. Well, actually, you do see it in there quite a bit. You see it specifically in a few places that we've already covered, but then you see it all through being, passing from death into life, and that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen? And so I can't go back and re-preach everything, or uh, you guys might um, run out of here so fast when I'm done that you don't stop by and, and uh, pledge some money for Justin and that f- Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I'm going to make it quick, amen? amen? That was not a good time to say amen, right? there. You could have just said, oh, no, preach it, brother. Come on, give us both barrels. Come on. So that's, amen. So, so five things quickly that happened instantly at the new birth. Some things that happened is we become a child of God. In John chapter 1, as many as receive him. So how many are children of God? As many as receive him are children of God. No, no, you know, it's not that you're not included in this because of your background or what country you're from or what color you are or what you've been believing up until now. No, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is one of those whosoever things, amen? Whosoever shall, as many as receive him, they give him the right. To, they give them the right to be the children of God, the children of the God. Now that's really, really a big deal. That we, well, yeah, I'm a child of God, but boy, I tell you, you think through that when they're singing this song and they're talking about the ancient of days sitting on the mercy seat, and you consider that he loves you unconditionally, and you're the apple of his eye, and there's nothing about you that is not pleasing to him because he looks at you through the lens of Jesus Christ. 
and, he's, and, and he, he looks at you and loves. That's what happened with the rich young ruler. Remember, he, he, went, he, he went away. Uh, Jesus had said some things to him. He said, what must I do to be saved? And he said, sell all your stuff. And then, and then the Bible says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And there was something about the look that Jesus gave that rich young ruler that the writer of that passage said, I see love in his eyes like I've never... I mean, he looked at him and loved him with a look. And that's the look that he's gazing at you right now with. And we begin to enjoy that look of love when we begin to recognize it and say, hey, I'm going to pay attention to that a little bit. I'm going to I'm begin to not spend all my time with my eyes open, but I'm going to begin to close my eyes and look with the eyes of faith and begin to see the King of Kings looking at me and loving me. And even sometimes when I can't even stand to look in the mirror because I'm disgusted my own self, I can, I can glance away from the mirror, look into the mirror of the Word and see the King looking at me and loving me. Wow, I tell you what, that's a look we all need right there. That's a look teenagers need right there. They need to, they need to experience this unconditional love of God, this love of God. Amen? And so we become a child of God. We become a new creation. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Number three, we become one with Jesus, joined with him, one spiritually with Jesus. And this is another incredibly important thing that happens instantly at the new birth. Now you and Jesus are one to the exclusion of another. When you go in, Christ goes in. Amen? I mean, you got to renew your mind to that. You can't, that just don't come by just reading it and you go, oh gosh, I'm one with Christ now. Now you got to renew your mind to that because that's a, that's a big deal considering everywhere you go, everything you say, everything you do, forgive me, Lord. I bring Christ in that with me because I am, listen to me, I am Christ. I'm not the Christ. I'm not Jesus Christ, but I am a son of God. And I am the body of Christ. I don't qualify to go to the cross, but I don't have to qualify to go to the cross. Somebody who was qualified already went, and he said, Jerry, now you're the body of Christ, and a member, all of us members individually, of the body of Christ. And there's, listen, there's no plan B. There's not going to be a, a body of something else if this doesn't work out. No, this is the plan right here. Amen? This is the plan. We're in it. Here we are, smack dab in the middle of the plan. How about that? We become one with Jesus, one to the exclusion of another, one spirit with him in 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Uh, number four, all things become possible for us. Jesus said that all things are possible to him who believes. And you know, it's interesting that many times the believers, it's the believers that don't believe that believing is all it takes. And many times that's exactly what it takes is for us to repent, which doesn't mean squall and cry down here, although that could be, could be in a way. But repent just means metanoia. Change your mind. Change your mind. Amen. I think I'm, I think I'm unworthy. Change your mind and, and adjust your view and opinion to his view and opinion. Because guess what? He's right. Because he's God. I mean, you can look in your owner's manual and it says put 5W20 in there, 5W30, and you go, ah, I'm going to put 90 weight in there. Ah, oil's oil. You know, the owner's manual says 5W. Ah, ah owner's manual. I might even, look, I might even, I might even put buttermilk in there this week. It's my car. I can do what I want to with it. Listen, when they built that thing, they knew what they were doing. That's why it says put this kind of oil in there. A lot of times now it just says don't fool with the oil. 
take it somewhere and let them do it. I'm still too, I don't know whether cheap's the right word. I still change my own oil. I got friends that go, you change your oil? You know, they'll, they'll listen, I've had those guys ring my oil pan bolt off enough to where I change my own oil. I put it up on jacks because I don't fit under it. And then I wheel under there and take that plug off. And let me tell you what, let me tell you what, uh, what, let me tell you what Dana Fletcher can do that I cannot do. I cannot change the oil without making a mess. The last thread on that oil plug is, is the first glop of oil that comes right down my arm. Dogs all around me when I'm doing that. You got dogs, you, you know, you're laying there under the car and there's a dog over here, you know, and there's hot oil on your arm. And, and the other day, let me just tell you, here he is, you know, and he's sniffing everywhere. He shouldn't be sniffing and, you know, and this. And so I was draining my oil and I heard this little, I heard this little thing. I ended up having to call Dana. I heard this little thing. The oil was going in. I heard this and I was like, what's that? You don't hear that when you're draining your oil. I mean, I'm draining. There's a good stream of black crude coming out of there, uh, burnt, because I don't change it very often, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I, that's why I use that Mobile One fully synthetic. You can be irresponsible. My dad would roll over in his grave if he knew I didn't change my oil all that much. But when a stream of oil's coming out in the bottom of the oil pan, my mind, first thing my mind goes to is, oh my gosh, my motor is coming apart on the inside, and that's a little piece of it that just came out in the oil. There's like a chunk of my motor that just flo fl flew, flowed into the, has flown into the oil pan thing. So I'm just, I'm really curious to look and see this. I put the plug back on, you know, and I pull the oil pan out and, uh, you know, put my filter, the, put the oil all back in it and everything. This has nothing to do with anything. And I, and I noticed it was a little washer. And I was like, what was a washer doing inside my motor? And then I thought, no, it's the oil plug washer. So you know what that means. <laughs> kind of dog licking me in the ear, and I'm getting ready to get oiled up again, you know. So I called Dana, and he said, you're probably going to need that on there. <laughs> I said, is there? He said, well, you can, he said, you can try it without it. He said, but you're probably going to need it on there. Well, I tried it without it, and it's a, <laughs> a little puddle. So if you, if you are draining your oil, you just pay somebody to do your oil like the manual says. Don't even do Amen. So all things become possible for us. All things are possible to him who believes. And then number five, God takes up permanent residence on the inside of you. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And that's a, again, that's a big deal. Not only are we one with him, but the Spirit of God, with all of the attributes of the Spirit of God, the... Uh, the uh, parakletos, the one called alongside to help, the comforter, intercessor, guide, st a standby. He's, he's there for us all the time. Do you know you're never alone anymore? The, the new birth, you're never alone. Somebody's in you now. Amen? Amen. And so, so those five things happen instantly. Two things that probably won't happen. Number one, you won't become like every other believer. I mean, thank God, right? I mean, wouldn't that be boring? Um, but I want to tell you that being different pleases God. If you don't think being different is pleasing to God, just look around you at everybody. Spend a little time talking to us. And man, the first thing you think is, dang, that dude's different right there. He's different. <laughs> well, God celebrates our differentness. Man, God loves us different. 
You don't think God's got a sense of humor? It's like somebody said, look in the mirror. I, you know, I, just listen to what comes out of people's mouths. You don't think God's got a sense of humor? So we're not like every other believer, but the good news is we can be different and be righteous. We can be different and be well-pleasing to God. I mean, you can be really, really different and have an incredibly great relationship with God. You could, listen, you could have the tattoos, you could have stuff stapled all in your face, you could wear what I think looks like crazy clothes or something like that. I mean, not normal like mine. (laughs) And have and have ten times a better relationship with God than I've got. It has nothing to do with your outward appearance. God made it very plain when he said about David. He said, I look, on the, I look at the inward man. I don't look at the outward man. The outward man will fool you. We've all been fooled by the outward man, haven't we? Everybody's been fooled by the outward man. But I tell you what, God says, I look on the heart. And so a person who's got a heart for God, it doesn't really matter this external stuff might make it hard to get a job. You might need to unstaple that stuff before you go get a job because people are going to judge you. That's just the way it is. But, but not God, not in that way. Let me tell you something. God will never leave you nor forsake you, and God will never judge you based on an outer appearance like that. Never. God will never judge you on your ridiculous decisions that you've made. Thank God for that. God will not judge you on your regrets. Do you know that all, you know, somebody... Somebody uh, said years ago, when you preach, boy, you hear this every year or so. Somebody says, well, if God don't judge America, he'll have to judge, he'll have to pray for, uh, ask forgiveness from Sodom and Gomorrah. It's, uh, and I'm thinking, yeah, you're right about that. He did judge America. He judged him in Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin was made to be sin, even with America's sin. Amen. And so, so we're different. And, uh, and, and I just want to say that I'm not saying that having stuff stapled in you or being tattooed up is a sin. That's not a, it's not a sin. Not to me. Not, 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 I mean, I'm not the judge, but you do what you want to do. I, I'm pretty sure God's looking at you and he's seeing Christ. You know, you, you, you know, we can go to God with a whole lot of stuff like I was mentioning earlier with that unrighteousness and stuff like that. And God's bound to be shaking his head, just going, what, what now? You're, you're, so you're, you're asking me to make you righteous because you're unworthy, but I said you're righteous and worthy? Are you sh- sure you don't want to do a rewind on that right there? I mean, if he's made us righteous, amen. Being different pleases God. We're not robots. We're, we're, we're not in, in a religious, a robot religion where everybody becomes conformed to the other person. No, we're in a living and real relationship with a God who might be different than you think he is. Wouldn't that be something? You get up there and meet her. (laughs) Blasphemy! Do you know that uh, I think it's Elohim is just as much female as it is male? Spirit of God is not, there is, it's, um, I don't want to say this wrong because it might be crass or something, but it, it ain't a boy or a girl, it's a spirit. Neuter, I think is what it's called. It's, it's the, the tense is, is not male or female. You say, well, I, but I personally think that God's a man because he became Jesus, and Jesus was a man. He didn't become Martha. But what do I know? Who, hey, who cares about that? Well, I mean, you don't want to lose your salvation behind that. He may be a lot different than you think he is. He may look Middle Eastern. Could it be? His skin might be dark. 
He might not have blonde hair and blue eyes like that 70s Jesus film all of us have seen. Jesus in the 70s film. Blonde hair, blue eyes, pale skin, Middle East. No. <laughs> nah. <laughs> not for long. Blonde hair, red skin, very burnt, very uncomfortable. <clears throat> Two very different people who pleased the Father, we talked about last week, both rejected because they didn't fit the religious mold. One, a rogue rabbi who ate and drank with prostitutes and seemed to have magic powers. And the other, his crazy cousin who lived on bugs and honey and called the religious leaders a pack of snakes. We're talking about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and John the Baptist who the Lamb of God said there's been none greater born among women. Both rejected, both different, night and day different even from us. But there they were, well-pleasing to God. How do, you know that, how do you know that Jesus always walked by faith? Because the Bible says he was always well-pleasing to God. Behold my beloved Son in whom I am well-pleased, and it's impossible to please God without faith. Anything that doesn't proceed from faith is sin. Well, sin's not just talking about some bad thing you did, and now you're tainted and terrible or something like that. You know what sin means? You miss the mark of the view and opinion of God. You're missing the mark of the glory of God and the plan of God. for you. That's, what, that's what sin is. Amen. Harmatia. But that's a totally different subject. You won't become like every other Christian. And then number two, you probably won't become a super saint or an overachiever or a missionary or um, speak and travel and do all the stuff like Justin's doing and getting up in front of all these people and winning all these people. You, might, you probably won't do that when you get born again. You might. If, you, if God calls you to do that, then, then do it, you know, and then, then do it. I heard a preacher say the other day uh, on a CD I was listening to, Kenneth Copeland I was listening to, and he said that uh, as far as, I know it was Jim Richards, he said as far as I know, he said it's, it's reported that T.L. Osborne preached the gospel face-to-face -face more than anybody who's ever been on planet Earth, this guy named T.L. Osborne. And, uh, and he would go to these um, countries, and I mean just hundreds of thousands of people would get saved and healed and all of these things. And T.L. Osborne said this, and boy, this was, a, this was so good. It made me feel so good. said that T.L. Osborne said if he was called of God, he never knew it. He said all I did, he said there was a traveling preacher who came through town, and I played the organ from him, and I wanted to get off the farm, so I went with him. T.L. Osborne led, multiplied millions of people to the Lord, said if he ever got the call of God, he doesn't know it. Doesn't that make you feel good about going, well, I don't know if I'm called. Well, then, then let's just talk about being a regular Christian, minding your own business, working with your hands, and being available to walk in love and share the faith with somebody. We don't have to be somebody. Jesus was already somebody, and we're in him. We don't have to achieve anything. We can achieve something. I mean, if we're called into that, I mean, if we're led in that direction, we can achieve great and wonderful things. Or you might just be the person who le leads the next Billy Graham to the Lord, and he handles the heavy lifting. Somebody led Billy Graham to the Lord. Man, how'd you like to be, how'd you like to be in line behind him? You know, and, uh, you know what? He's going to do the same exact thing we're going to do. Throw the crowns at the feet of the king. The one who paid the ultimate price, the one who loved us. Hallelujah. So you probably won't become a superstar, but you just might. Just 
Raise great kids, maybe they'll be the superstar. Amen? Amen? Just be a member of God's family and follow his direction for your life. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just lead a quiet and peaceable life, praying for those who are in authority. I knew years ago that I was wrong by dogging out President Obama all the time. I never liked President Obama. Never liked him. I, I, he was not my guy. I didn't vote for him, wouldn't vote for him if somebody was holding a gun to my head. Yeah, I would. But... <laughs> But, the, but I would get with my friends, and they would start talking. And, I, and, and you know, and, and now we're seeing the same thing with our president we have now. Just a bunch of, just a bunch of jaw jacking, the same stuff that I was doing with this other guy. That's not what we're called to do. That's not a godly thing to do, to badmouth the president. A godly thing to do is, is to lift them up in prayer, pray your hedge of protection about them, that, that they'll have a long life, that they'll make godly and wise decisions that our country will be blessed because they're blessed. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we were supposed to, you know, uh, you, you know, just sitting around and complaining a, a, about somebody, doesn't, that never does any good any, in any situation. Amen? Yeah. Want to live a quiet and peaceable life? Change all that jaw-jacking into prayer because that's what born-again people are supposed to be doing. Amen? So the next one is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Think of, of, of you in this mold right here. I, I'm not, you notice how I got off the politics real quick because it gets quiet in here. It was real quiet. Huh? Next thing you talk about money or your kids, and it'll be like a silence in here. A hush, great calm, peace, be still. That you also aspire to lead a quiet life. Look at that. Mind your own business and work with your own hands as we commanded you. That you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Ephesians chapter 4. This is always wisdom. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you, born-again person, with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Walking in forgiveness. Now, this, this becoming a normal Christian doesn't mean that great things can't happen through you. We're still called as a normal Christian to lay hands on the sick. These signs will follow the believers. It didn't say these signs will follow the super saints in my name they'll cast out demons speak with new tongues lay hands on the sick and they'll recover if they drink anything deadly poison by no means harm them amen uh, lay hands on the sick and they were i mean that's we, these are things that normal christians are called to do just normal christians and here is where we slip into the call of god and it's when you see somebody who has a need and you go uh, God, you feel like I, should, I need to should put my hands on them and pray for them like the Bible says. And then you get to find out whether you're walking in love, whether you care more about what you look like and whether or not it works and all that stuff than you do being able to see somebody get blessed. And it's so important to follow God in those things. Many times at work, you know, somebody will say, hey, at the lunch break, go, go make yourself available to that person, you know. And that's, that's, that's the... That's, that's all, all super, that's all the superstar you need to be right there. 
If God needs you to be more of a superstar than that, he'll, he'll arrange it for you. Amen? And so, so there's the thing, the couple things that probably won't happen, five things that happen instantly, and then we're going to close here in just a minute by looking at one thing you absolutely must do. Absolutely must do. John chapter 15, we're looking at three verses over there. Oh my, there's a whole other page. Pack a lunch, we'll be here a while. No, nah, we're not, I'm not going to keep you too long, I promise. Um, <laughs> I don't promise. The uh, one thing you must do, this is incredibly important. Let's read the verses first and then we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. John chapter 15 and verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, that's us. Remember the five things? That's us. He who abides in me and him, that's us. We're the, we're, we're the ones he's talking about. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. The word abide is the word meno, maybe Greek word meno, uh, anyway. Um, to stay in a given place or state or relation of expect or expectancy, to continue to dwell and endure, to be present and to remain. In other words, when you get born again, get saved and stay. Not based on your behavior, not based on your poor decisions, not based on convenience. Get saved and abide in the vine. Stay in him. Don't ever decide for yourself that you're not in him anymore. People do that all the time, you know. Well, I, I don't know. I went to church for a while, got saved, but I don't even know. Don't, un don't uncall yourself from this glorious kingdom of God based on your behavior. It was not your behavior that got you in to start with. It was Jesus' behavior. And if, you're, if your good behavior couldn't get you in, then your poor behavior won't get you out. Amen? I mean, it's not about you. I mean, thank God it's not about us and our behavior and how we do. Oh, the way of the transgressor's hard. If you're going to be, like Daddy said, you're going to be hard-headed, you've got to be tough. But that's not got anything to do with the love of God for us, which is unconditional. Unconditional. Conditional. Do we don't want to uncall ourselves from this thing? Abide in him. Abide in him in the midst of your failure. Abide in him in the midst of the disgusting sin that you hate about yourself. Abide in him. Always fall back on the love of God. Always fall back on the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of God. Because what, what else are you going to do? What else, are you gonna, what else is there? You're just going to crawl in a hole and die? Go to, be, go to being depressed and get you a prescription? Well, what are you going to do? There's, a, there's an answer to all of this, and it's, and it's abiding in the vine. It's something that's not optional. We've got to abide in him. Don't uncall yourself from this goodness. Declare with your spirit-filled, powerful mouth, well, I don't even know if I'm saved or not. Listen, I'd rather cuss than say I'm not saved. I wouldn't do, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I just can't imagine even saying that. You say, well, what if, what if I really am? Well, get today in ten, five minutes, I'm going to give you the opportunity. You can get it all straight. Amen. Um, in, John chapter, in John chapter 20, I want to look at just for a minute at how not to abide. And this will tell us a lot about how to abide. John chapter 20 and verse 19. Verse 19 says, 
Then the same day at evening, beginning the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. When the doors shut, came in there with the doors shut. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and when the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord... So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I send you also. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and told them, Receive the Holy Spirit. We know about the Great Commission in Mark 16, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Great signs and wonders that would even fill the whole earth, it says in here in John chapter, uh, verse 31. Look at John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. John 21, or maybe it's 20. Pick one. In 30 it says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, believing that you may have life in his name. And then this, this next verse in uh, uh, 20, uh, chapter 21, verse 25. Listen to this. And there are also many other things which Jesus did. in the, He did it in the presence of these people, which they were, if they were written one by one, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written of the marvelous works that Jesus did. Here's where we're going to close right here in John chapter 21 and verse 3. The person who was in the midst of all of this, watching it, seeing it with his eyes and hearing it and, and experiencing it, said these godly words here after the great commission go into all the world simon peter said i'm going fishing i'm going fishing they god, they, god didn't call him to go fishing he was a he was remember i'll make you a remember that fisher of men that's not the fishing he was he went fishing trout croaker spot bass Simon Peter said to him, I'm going fishing. And they, said, and they said to him, we are going with you also. Not only Peter, but all of them who had been in the midst of all of these things. I'm just telling you, it's easy to, to, to take a run out pass. You can, you can give this thing up really easy. They were right there with him and quit on him. They said to him, we're going with you also. And they went out immediately, got into a boat. And that night, you know what they caught? Nothing. Abide in the vine. You can bear no fruit apart from abiding in the vine. Amen. So they caught nothing, and Jesus said in, in verse 4, and this is where we're really, really closing. But when morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. That's a verse full right there. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast now, so they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. You know, um, we all have this opportunity, once we enter that place of being born again, to make a conscious choice to abide in the vine. And I want to encourage you as you go today, when you consider stepping outside of the righteous standards of God, when you consider doing things that are a compromise, we all face it. A lot of times, you know, am I going to pay my 
taxes just right. What, they didn't charge me enough at the grocery store, but I sure did need five bucks off of that because now I you put a little gas and, you know, just these compromises, maybe a little lie that's not really too bad of a lie and all this. And abide in the vine, uphold the standard of righteousness. Why? Because that's when you can't pull the net in because it's so full. He said, I'll meet your every need according to my riches and glory by and through Christ Jesus. You don't have to manipulate this thing. I've already conquered the world for you. And that's God. He's our, our God. Bow your heads with me for just a minute. If you're here today and you've never entered the family of God, now's the time to do that. If you'd say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm saved or not. Listen, you can know. I mean, you can know. And uh, the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved.